for a few minutes. That there's a. I want to learn Megillah Esther and get focused more in the Megillah. But for a few minutes, I want to talk to the guys about what's going on in the world. For a little bit, I'm not far the furthest thing from an expert. I want to talk about it for a specific reason. I want to talk about it because it can't be that so many Yidin are affected, that so many Yidin are being affected directly. There are thousands and thousands of Yidin that are directly affected by the events. There's a huge Jewish community in, in the Ukraine. Johnny and I and some of the rest of the Chavu for a Shabbos to be with the Rav, to be with one of the Rabbanim that's in Ukraine, and it can't be so many Yidin are affected and we ignore it. And even that an event would not involve Yidin. If there's an event that Hashem's causing in the world, there's unrest in the world, so a person can't be so small that he's just, well, you know, I have my lunch, my breakfast, my supper, and a person were part of Hashem's world. Hashem built a beautiful world. And it matters to a Yid. Events that happen in the world ultimately are very connected. Abishvil Yisrael. Beratius, all the events, all the creations of the world are Bishvil Yisrael, Shanikaratius. Ultimately, anything that goes on in the world is relevant to a Yid. And we come from Avram Avinu. An attitude of live and let live. Like there's China, if you follow world events, China is a fascinating country. They ignore the world. Like World War I, shrug. World War II, shrug. If you know about China, they're a fascinating people and they don't seem to be B'nai Avram. Now there's questionable if they, you know, if some of Avram's children went there, but they don't act like Avram Avinu, like Yidin do. We don't shrug our shoulders. Avram Avinu saw things in the world and he acted. Sidaim was being destroyed, the arch enemy, the antithesis of Avram, and he davened for Hashem about it. He didn't see massive world events and shrug. He davened. The Chavetz Chaim famously, there was like some mudslide in Mexico. The Chavetz Chaim was in, people around him were made that he was in tremendous sad. Human life, human beings are precious. Chaviv and Adam, a human being is precious. So I want to talk about the Matziv in Ukraine with Russia, furthest from an expert. I want to talk about something, and my main point in talking about it is to say that it has to be on our mind in some way or another. Too many people are affected. Now, I'm not proposing we have to learn Torah and we have Yom Tovim, and I'm not proposing to be Mavatl of a Seder to talk, certainly we sit and learn Torah, but I am saying that world events, specifically when so many Yidin are affected, affected have to be on our mind, we have to pray. A big takeaway from Megillah Esther, and a big takeaway from Parsha Zachar, which is coming, is we're part of a people. Anachnu Yisrael Amei, we're part of a nation, to feel part of a people. The end of the Megillah ends about Mordechai, that he was Doirish Toiv Lamei, that he was somebody, that's a whole eulogy, that's to say that eulogy on a person, anybody should strive, that that could be said attached to their name. What the Megillah Esther's really closes about Mordechai, what a eulogy. We're so used to titles and saying things, every word of the Torah is emes. And to say on Mordechai, what a eulogy of a person. That's like a life's goal that it could be said on you and me. 
Doirish Toiv La'amoy. He seeks good for his people. That's a, that's a big statement. Doirish Toiv La'amoy. He seeks good for his people. I once asked my Rebbe when I was your age why the Torah is not as good a writer as Art Scroll. I read an Art Scroll book and amazing the way they're maspid, the way they eulogize Gedolim, incredible. And Hashem, in our Torah, there's a lot of knocks on our greats. Every great, has, and it, it's not Meirich, it's not lengthy about their greatness. And Hashem is the greatest writer. Ain't Sayer Kelikenu, there's no artist like God. So why doesn't he eulogize the greats better? And it's an important question. I don't want to get into the discussion what he said, but what I want to say to you is we sometimes <coughs> overlook, Hashem will say in one word what you could write a whole book about. Those three words about Mordechai, he seeks good for his nation. You build a life on that. You become such a person that your thoughts are on your people. And you're, you're, you're just seeking. My hero, the Chavetz Chaim, our hero. The Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim, the Hilgo Chavetz Chaim. The way he lived for Klal Yisrael is mind-blowing. There was like no person called Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan. He was all about Klal Yisrael. The activism, the idealism, the thoughts for his nation, everything was about what our people's need. That's what he was thinking about. The man started a kitchen. He started like a kosher kitchen. He has the Godel Adar. He started a kosher kitchen in the Tsar's army for the Jewish soldiers should have kosher food. The, the Chavetz Chaim thought about our people. It would be shaykh to eulogize the Chavetz Chaim. Doirish toiv la'amay. He thought about our people. See, you can't be a person. You're not allowed. Don't be oblivious. If thousands of Yidin are affected, affected, think about it. Put yourself in there. Just think about it. A, a, a segment of our people is being affected. It's a true event. If it wouldn't be involved a Yid, let alone that it involves a Yid. So I want to speak about it for a few minutes. Again, please excuse any ignorance. I try, to, I try to look up a little bit into it because I think one should. So I try to look into it. I want to say, but I want to say that it's a perspective. I don't know I'm right. It's a perspective that I want to share with you. I think there's a lot to learn from it. If anybody watching, again, not being an expert, but just being alive for the last few decades, if anybody watches the world, one of the great politicians in the entire, one of the great leaders is, I'm not too much great as a good person. I don't know the man and doesn't look like a very good person. Putin is a guy, I, mean, I shouldn't say his name in the base Medrash, we won't say his name going forward, just the clarity who I'm talking about. He had a country that would celebrate his statesmanship, his ability to lead, and he had a country who looks at him as so capable and successful. He's in, in anybody who has eyes, he's outmaneuvered in the appearance, he's outmaneuvered every world leader for two decades. The longevity for 20 years, the man is, and he's, he's, he's murdered people, opponents. I'm not saying a good guy, but everything he's done, he's done it in a certain smooth way. I'm not congratulating. You're not let to flatter Risham. You're not let to say good things about Risham. I want to bring out something that there was, a, there was a skill that seemed like impeccable. He always knew what move to do and how to do it. 
and a whole country celebrated him a lot. And by all appearance in, in the history books of Russia, he would go down as this leader who's just capable. The country follows him, even with maybe the polls are rigged, they probably are, but he has a country going, a huge country, and maneuvering, and world leaders like being afraid of him. Every move seemed to have been thought out for two decades. The man inexplicably, it's hard to understand. He just did a move. He probably won't survive this. The biggest person who's under threat is the head of Russia. He did a move that's inexplicable because attack, his basic thing is, again, I'm not coming to give <coughs> politics. It's, nobody has an exact clarity what he just tried to do. He basically sold his people that Ukraine and us are brothers. He holds, Ukraine was once part of the USSR and it was broken up. Now what he says is we're one people. He doesn't want, there's a group called NATO. The purpose of NATO is, a, is, is to stand up for democracy and really to stand up to Russia. And, and he doesn't want Ukraine to join NATO. You're not a free country, you're the same as us. And he wants a government that he doesn't, he's not trying to control Ukraine per se. He wants them loyal to Russia. He looks at it, we're one country. He sold his army and somehow, it's unclear, he had some calculation that most of Ukraine does not like the democratic prime minister ahead of Ukraine. And if we come in with the army, he'll run the head and he'll put in a government that won't want to join NATO, that will be pro-Russia. To his shock, the, the prime minister didn't leave, is fighting him. He's in a position, he has no idea what to do. If he kills the prime minister, so then he gets, makes him a hero. He makes him a bigger hero, and the Ukraine less likely wants to join. He's at a position, it's very unclear what he's supposed to do. His army don't want to shoot civilians, because the whole claim of the war is that Ukraine and us are one country, we're all Russians. You don't kill the people that are you. It's, a, it's one of the strangest wars in the history of wars. You could see the army marching and civilians are standing with Ukrainian flags right next to the army. Because they can't shoot them. The whole claim is we're one people. And if you shoot them, then we're in a war. Now to control a country is an unlikely scenario. It's very unclear. The Pashtus is the leader of Russia will not survive this. His chances of surviving alive are slim. In his own country, what is he telling his people? He's looking for ways out of this. I'm not predicting what's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. Hashem knows what's going to happen. But very relevant to us is that a world leader miscalculated. Again, I don't know. I can't say all a man's calculations. But a guy miscalculated in such a historic way is fascinating. And I don't want to make it just something of interest. Either people, everybody's trying to understand, like what did he, he became a villain to the world. He just changed his name for history. He became a massive villain, a guy who wasn't looked at like that. Just became, a, a lot of his country is livid today, a lot of his country. They're all trying to figure out what he thought, what he did. There's Chazal that kings have no choices. Kings have, not none, I shouldn't say none, kings have less choices than regular civilians. Laid melach and luchu. Kings have less Bechira than regular people. It's possible Hashem took away his Bechira. It's possible. It's also possible he's so arrogant 
He's convinced, he's right. His advisors, I, I read things, his advisors all told him not to do this. They all told him what would be. That there's a lot of rayas that people around him told him not to do this. And it could be arrogance that brought this, that brought this person to do this deed. I think in studying Megillah's Esther, and you see one of two things. You see great people have less choice. Hashem controls the world. Everybody has a Bechira. Kings have a lesser Bechira than, than people. Leib Malach and Biyamluchu might be the story here. It might be the story of arrogance, which is certainly a story of the Megillah when you get into the minds of small people. And it's something that calls to mind, I want to say, we're Zaychad Avgedolim. We have very, very big people. And what separates our Gedolim from the big people of the world, what the world considers big people, by the world's people, the more you know them, the smaller they are. From far, they're charismatic, powerful, brazen. When you get to know them, they're so small. And our G'daylim, the more you know them, the more you see. And just to witness, when you read Megillus Esther, these are world-powerful people who the whole world shook from. But when we get a window into what's going on, you see Gaiva, Taiva, covered. You see just lowness of man controlling people. And in witnessing the spectacle that the world's witnessing, we're seeing somebody who the world looked at with a certain covered, and now like something exposed, people are saying he went crazy. All different like theories of what happened. The answer is the big people, the umis, are not big at all. From far they're big. When you come close, there's Gaikina, Taiva, Kavig, there's tremendous smallness that when you get a chance to, to get in there and see, you, you discover tremendous, tremendous smallness. And to appreciate that Gedoyle Yisrael are big people. There's a line it says about the Megillah Esther that I have to just, it, the, the Medrash says it on the Megillah, and it's just so applicable in world events today. It says about Risham, about Haman and Ahasuerus, they are owned by their emotions, by their whims, by their wants. They're owned by their whims. Heim Bershos Libam. And it says about Sadiqim, Libam Bershusam. And Mordechai and Esther says, Libam Bershusam. They're not owned by their whims. Their decisions are profoundly attached to what's true, to what's right, to what's emes, to what's rats and Hashem. Libam Bershusam. Their lave is owned by them, by what's true, the, the dedication to truth and right. That, that, that this whole thing's going down to some whim of, of somebody who didn't listen to his advisors, who it's hard to know exactly what's motivating. Gaiva, covered, kinna, crazy stuff. But this is the story of Risham is Hamber Shoslibam. They are owned by whims. They're owned by funny thoughts of Gaiva, of Kavad. The whole story of the Megillah is leaders that are completely Hamber Shoslibam. They are owned by whims. They're owned by fleeting things that like anger and... The, the Prime Minister of Israel, who's a, a very unique position, and it's a fascinating world position, where the President of the Ukraine is good, <coughs> is wild. The Prime Minister of Israel is one of the only people in the world who has a working relationship with both countries. And he met with the head of, of Russia, and he said, contrary to what people say, he's not crazy, he didn't have a... He is having experience in some fits of rage. 
So he said on him publicly, said he's experiencing fits of rage. We have tzaddik in fits of rage. Do they make one decision from Kass, from anger? Bennett, the prime minister of Israel, was masbir that he's struggling with anger. <laughs> That's how he described, he described it publicly. A friend of the head, he said he's struggling with rage. <laughs> Just to, what? I, yeah, he, commented, he said he's struggling with rage. No, that's what Bennett said about the leader. That that's what he said. more angry. I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's, he's friends with both. I, we're, dis, we're seeing a matzev exactly like the Megillah describes of big people, big. I'm not talking about big tzaddikim. I'm talking about famous and powerful people by the Goyim of Hambir Shoslibam. Being owned by whims, by midas rois, by bad attributes, bad character. And the contrast to G'dayla Yisrael, to Tzadikin, that every decision is governed by what's emes, what's true, what's right, what's the honest thing to do. The contrast is like stunning, is startling and stunning. To watch on the public arena behavior that's erratic and strange, and whole countries, the whole world affected. Now, certainly to other people, that may cause a lot of angst. So, my goodness, one person, what could he do? We're Zaycha to be Maminim and to know Leib Malachim Biyam Luch Hashem runs the world. That's a great comfort to us. We're not at the mercy. To Goyim right now, without faith, it's like frightening. You're at the mercy. He's enraged. Maybe he'll set, t- press the wrong button, tell his advice, scary stuff. To us, we're maminim. And we bring ourselves back. Don't say it lightly. Be a little scared and talk to yourself about Emunah. Hashem runs the world. Hashem does. And he runs the whole Megillah. And we'll talk, I want to talk about the Megillah in this context. I want to share the following observation in Megillah's Esther. Besides the fact that Haman loses, obviously Haman from the children of Amalek, and he loses, his plans are thwarted. Hashem's kalka machshavtoi hofer atzosai. Shem thwarts utsu eitzah The enemies think of plans and they're thwarted. So Haman is certainly thwarted. But there's a giddy, there's a very specific anhaga that's revealed to us in the Megillah. And I want to share this anhaga with the Hevra. There's a very specific thing. It's not just Haman has plans and they don't work. In a profound way, there's something much deeper that goes on in the Megillah. Let's think. Haman says to kill Mordechai, let's make a 50 Amos high gallows. That's one of the dumber plans in the history. You make a 50 gallows, your 50 Amos gallows. What are you doing to hang a guy? How do you even hang somebody? 50 Amos 100 feet in the air. You have to get Tzvi, climbs high, climbs 30 feet, 100 feet in the air. You know how tall, 100, how tall is the top of the gym, Yosef? 40 feet, how tall, somebody tell me. The top of the gym, 30 feet. 100, how do you even hang somebody at 100, how do you get them up there? It's like a nutty idea, it's like a pretty stupid idea. How do you even get somebody 100 feet, I don't even know. How do you raise him there to hang him? His plan is overwhelming. You have to get like a big lad. 
complicated. What a dumb idea. Like if you hang and put him on a 20-foot gallows, make it, what are you making it so hard for yourself? You probably got to pull him up on the rope. Something like that. You have to set him up up there. Somebody's got to go up with him. It's very complex. The idea of a 50 gallows, a 50 ama gallows, a very strange idea. Just awfully dumb. Now, why do you want such a tall gallows? You could, so you could say Shalom says he wants everybody to see it. I suspect it's true. A hundred, by the way, a hundred amas you could see a little bit around a hundred feet. I think here, a hundred. How many people? More people. People will come. It's quite the spectacle. Whoever comes sees. The Rebbe doesn't. Doesn't. A hundred feet. You're not getting just realistically. You're not seeing that far away. A hundred feet high. If he put him like a few thousand feet in there, maybe it makes sense. Like on top of a mountain, a hundred feet. As far as seeing from miles away, they're not going to see anything. And anybody you could see from 100 feet is going to come to the spectacle. The whole thing is a bizarre plan. Do 10 feet high. And by the way, if you want the world to see, do it on top of a mountain. You should take him to a higher gavaya, way higher than 100 feet. 100 feet doesn't do very, it's like very hard to understand. Haman's brilliant plan. Yasa gavaya chamishimama. It's a strange, you make it very hard to hang him. You didn't accomplish very much. What's this idiot, what's he thinking? So the Gra explains to us what he was thinking. The Gra says that he knew Achashverosh was very impulsive <coughs> and very fickle. Achashverosh decides something. He's called what the Gemara calls Afachbechan. Fickle. He decides, changes his mind. Changes mind, decides. He knew Achashverosh very, very well. And he wanted the gallows 100 amas, 150 amas, 100 feet high, that it should be at the eye level of Achashverosh. He should see it. And then at the right moment, I'll get him mad at Mordechai and I'll see it. Say, kill him! Like, that's how he functions. Remember, Rishon go after what they see. He'll see the gallows. The grass says he wants and at a good moment, he'll be mad. And he'll say, hang him on that. That's how he works. It's very, if you think about Rishon, who are impulsive, who are all about whims, so he sees it and he'll kill him. That's what Achashverosh, it should be on eye level. He has a big palace. If it's a tall structure, easily stands out. If it's a little 20-foot gallows, it won't stand out, Tachashverosh. Something like easily, in Waterbury, Lahavda, we have a clock tower. Whenever we pass by, I talk about it. Anybody who's ever taken a car ride by me, like they, okay, they like say it before me. I tell the guys about the best arrest we have. The only time I had nachas from guys being arrested ever in the yeshiva is I get a call that, do you want to bail out? Three of your students are arrested. If you want to pay, you can get them out. So I go, like, oh no. So I go down to the jail place and I posted bail. And they, let, they told me, your three students, the clock tower in Waterbury, how tall is that clock tower? That might be two, that's more than a 50 hammers. <laughs> that might be 200 feet high in there. How, is, that too, is that an exaggeration, Martre? It's not an exaggeration. 200 feet, Rudy, right? Look it up. We won't know what it's called, though. The clock tower and whatever. How tall? Google knows most things. I don't know. It's 240 feet. You looked at it? The clock tower. You, you nailed it. Hootie said 200. 240. 240. Mom taller than Haman's thing. So the three guys were arrested. They were doing work. 
they were doing work on the front of it. They had a, what are those ladders they do to, when they do construction? What's that called? Scaffold. Bless your soul, Johnny. They had a scaffold to the top. And three Bachram thought that that was a great idea to climb the scaffold to the top. And they climbed to the top of the tower. Now, they got some great pictures. What they didn't know is a park right across the street. And that day, they were up there at the top. The police were inaugurating 50 new policemen, like the entire police force across the street. And so they were arrested by the entire police force, including the 50 new guys. Like, this was their first, their 50 cops, whose first arrest ever was three Waterbury guys at the top of the scaffold clock. Just a, fa- a Waterbury little history fact. They came across the street, the whole Hebra made their first arrest. So I bailed these three guys out. I looked very stern. The principal comes in. The police were feeling so bad for the three guys. This livid principal's redeeming them from jail. And then I burst out laughing in the car and gave them all a yashikayach. It was pretty cool. Don't do dangerous things, but if you're going to do something dangerous, that was pretty cool. Anyway, don't do dangerous The Kitzer Advarim is, is that you pass by that clock tower... So it's something you notice, it's something you see. When me and my kids, when we drive near the city of Waterbury, it's very, very noticeable, the clock tower. I appreciate it. You, we, we get close off the highway, you could see that tall 240-foot structure. So Haman's plan was that Ahasuerus, looking out of his glorious palace, should see that, should see it, and in a moment of anger, he'll say, hang Mordechai. Now that's exactly how Haman got killed. Because in a fit of anger, when, Achash, when Esther said that, Achash, that, Achashverish, that Haman wants to kill the Yidden, and Haman is falling on top of Esther, like pleading for his life, Achashverish looks up and see the gallows has hang, hang him on it. And his exact plan to get to Mordechai happens to him. His exact plan. There are five words in the Gemara Tazayin in Megillah, and it says, Asher heichen loy. Tana loy heichen. Heichen loy, he prepared it for Mordechai. Tana loy heichen, it was prepared for him. It's the story of Haman. Every ga'inus, every plan he had to get Mordechai happens to him. Everything. Another plan. Haman has another plan. Haman decides to kill all the Yidden. So in 11 months, he wants to kill all the Yidden. And he wants to get Goyim from around the world to kill all the Yidden. If you read the Megillah very carefully, and the Grush shows it, it's like open the Psukim, there are two letters that go out. You have to see the Psukim, it comes out clear, two letters go out. If you read the Psukim, the Grush shows it, one letter goes, L'chol Sari Amadinois. Like 50 people in the world, 50 evil dudes, however many, a, certain, a limited number of evil people were told that the Yid not going to be killed. Haman did not want the letter to go out to the masses for two reasons. He did not want us Yidin to know that, that we're going to get killed. He didn't want us to do tshuva, one. And two, he didn't want us to practice diplomacy. If we're told we're going to be killed, we'll go around, we'll convince people, they'll see we're awfully nice people. We'll send out, we'll send Momo around the world, they'll say, we're not going to kill this guy, and they'll, they'll be they'll be Xerah. So Haman's trick was, he only sent to the world, on the day of the day of the attacks, be ready, gather. What for? I'm not telling you. So the whole world got a letter 
that on the day of Purim, everybody gather. I'm not telling you why. Just gather. They had an edict from the king. Come to the town square and you gather. Be ready. Now what they were going to be ready to do is the lead murderers would come to each gathering and they would say, come, let's attack the Yidden. And the Goyim would acquiesce. They'd follow along. They did not know, and you can look at Psukim in the Megillah, there were two letters. Individuals knew that the goal was to kill Yidden and the masses just knew, gather. They were not told why. Haman did that with a Goyimish plan to get the Yidden. That was his plan. Now, Esther and Mordechai plead with Achashverosh to renege the Gzeira. So Achashverosh says, I have a problem. Whatever went out, but Tabas HaMelech, the king's sign, I'm not let it repel, I'm not let it take back. And then they do a little research, says the Gra, and lo and behold, Haman, to get the Yidden, didn't write to kill the Yidden. Because he thought if he writes that, they're going to dive and do tshuva, and they'll do diplomacy. So all of a sudden, they just sent out, they didn't change the Xerus HaMelech. Because of his plan, they were able to say to all the world, when you, remember we told you to gather on Purim? We want you to gather to protect the Yidden. They were never told to kill the Yidden. So says the Gra, the new Xerus was able to say, you're supposed to gather to protect the Yidden. That's what the edict said. And they killed the 50 murderers were left against the whole world because he never sent it out. Every single thing Haman does, Haman kills Vashti. It was his idea. Why do you want to kill Vashti? To advance his own cause, his daughter. He wanted his daughter to marry Achashverosh. He wanted Zeresh, his wife, to have more power. So he kills Vashti. Because he kills Vashti, Esther's put who kills him. Anything Haman does causes the Yeshua. And there's a tremendous lesson in that. It's not just Haman is defeated. It's not just his plans are thwarted. His very efforts are efforts on behalf of Hashem. Haman is from Amalek. The attack of Amalek is Hashem is not involved in this earth. Amalek says Hashem is not involved in this earth. Amalek seeks to cut off half of Hashem's name. Kiyod al It says it calls Kisei Ka. Doesn't say Kisei Yud Ke. Vav Ke says Yud Ke. Amalek seeks to cut off half of Hashem's name. What does it mean they cut off? Explain the Satna Rebbe. It's said in the Chassidish manner, but it's Ba'if and Pshat. He says that the Pasuk says, Yismuchu Hashemayim B'Sagel Aretz, which is the ICS Yud Kevavke, Yismuchu Hashemayim B'Sagel Aretz. He's cut off the B'Sagel Aretz. He wanted, Amalek says that they're not involved in this earth. Amalek says that Hashem's not involved, he's Misalik. And the defeat of Amalek is Hashem is very, very bad. Ki imanu kel, Hashem is with us. Utsuetza besufar, dabru davlayakum, ki imanu kel, Hashem is with us. Profoundly involved. Haman himself is an agent of Hashem. Hashem is so deeply with us. All Haman's plans, with all his machshava Yisrois, he is the tool to kill himself. He is the tool to bring out Ratzon Hashem. Kimanu Kel Hashem is profoundly involved. And all of us should take great, great chizuk, a great strengthening that it's true. It's a little scary. You have, you have people running with Midas Rice, running big countries, who have a lot of power and with pressing buttons can inflict tremendous damage and are this close to world war. 
and you have a crazy person this close who clearly is making erratic fits of rage are governing decisions, so that can leave a tremendous anxiety. If he sends a, this, this button says one thing, desperate, crazy thoughts, and the chizuk to us all is that ki imanu kel, Hashem runs the world. And contrary to Amalek, chas v'shom, who says Hashem's mesalek, Hashem is profoundly involved, and Amalek's very actions are only as a shliach of Hashem. Amalek's very actions are only as a shliach of Hashem. Amalek's, Haman's behaviors and Haman's actions, the Gemara says that Haman did more than 48 Nevi'im. It brought the Yidin to Tshuva. He was busy. Haman was the, the you, know, you know, when they give out parts for plays, so people want the main part. The biggest actor in the Purim story who causes the whole Yeshua is Haman. Haman's like the main guy who brings the whole... He's busy the whole Megillah killing himself. He's, but I, with Gainus, with such chaps, each chap is like the exact chap to get himself. And the chizuk that Hashem is intimately involved and Hashem runs the world. And even when it looks that things are so scary and we're so vulnerable and this person has so much power... The Rabbi Shalom ain't no It's the Rabbi Shalom running thing, and Hashem takes Amalek, and precisely through Amalek, Hashem shows He's running. He's running things and causing things to happen. So, I can with. I can with the, the matzav and what's going on, tying in a little bit to this point that we started speaking about last time in the Megillah. I want to I wanna speak about another point, Chaim Tzvi, but there has to be a Varma song in between, Chaim Tzvi. What time is it? Oh, I have to go to this meeting now. I will sing a song, maybe there'll be a minute after, because I do have to go to a meeting. Yutsu
Oh, the song, here's the one there. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know.